Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Dan Riley. The Exchange is a streaming internet talk show and podcast of interviews with noteworthy people about their lives, ideas, and current events. This week I sit down with Lee Sung Min, an English-speaking defector from North Korea. During our conversation, Lee talks about his life inside North Korea, how and why he escaped his native country, and his thoughts on the future of one of the world's most secretive, oppressive, and totalitarian governments. As a side note, my apologies for the decreased audio quality of this interview. Lee and I spoke outdoors, outside of a conference in San Francisco, California. For his request, and for his protection, his picture will not be displayed on the Exchange's website. Welcome to the show. I have a special guest today, uh, Lee Song Min, a uh, North Korean defector. Uh, We're standing outside of a conference in uh, San Francisco, California. And uh, Lee, I just want to first of all say thank you for coming on and talking to us um, and sharing uh, your your fascinating uh, and courageous life story. Um, I'd like to start just by asking you uh, to explain a little bit about uh, your personal background in your life. How did you, where did you grow up? Um, what do you remember from your childhood? And then we can move on and, and talk about your later life too. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, first of all, uh, brief is an uh, introduction about me. Uh, I was born in northern part of the North Korea, which uh, is called uh, Hamgyong province. And then... Yeah, I um, defected uh, to South Korea 2010. Uh, yeah, currently I'm a student in South Korea. How does one go about defecting? Was it something that you had thought about for years and finally one day decided now is the time? Or what was what were the circumstances surrounding you actually being able to defect? Uh, yeah, it's kind of so there, is a lot of, uh, there were a lot of effects. Uh, that actually pushed me to decide to defect to South Korea. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, while living along the border, actually I was uh, uh, living in the, in the border city. So, you know, uh, as a child, uh, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I had uh, a lot of opportunities to learn more about outside the world. So, you know, it's a lot of factors, like as a corruption of uh, the government, right? And also, you know, it's a uh, the life was is much better just across the river in China, right? So it kind of is uh, made me very interesting, and yeah, it's, it was very important factor, right? So primarily, the information you would get came from China, yeah. and and through that information, you learned what that there that there was a significantly different way of potentially living outside of North Korea. Yeah, it was very important law in uh, deciding uh, to defect. Uh, for example, it's, uh, foreign media such as South Korea, China, and sometimes American uh, uh, press and movies, it's kind of really such amazing, right? So, because it's, we, uh, you know, the interesting is among them, South Korean movies and videos were more interesting among North Koreans because we, since we share the same language and historic background, for example, uh, the North Korean government had told us that uh, South Korea was poor and there are a lot of uh, homeless people on the street and children looking for food in Trans-B. 
Nazist society, right? And and what was your background? Did you come from a very bright family or a very successful family that was politically no, connected? No, if it was a really bright family, <laughs> I might have still living in Australia. Probably it was not uh, the hostile or enemy class, but I think it's a uh, middle class or it's a, probably more than middle class, I think. Right? Yeah. And and was there, did, did your family or did people, friends of yours growing up, did you know about some of the more uh, secretive and violent elements of North Korean society, the labor camps or the concentration camps that were uh, filled with people who were living there? Was that something that you were aware of or not particularly? Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, I knew, I was aware of uh, the, the existence exist of political concentration camp, but I didn't know the in detail. But, you know, the people in North Korea, they are, I think it's most of people are aware of the, the existence of political concentration camp. Mm -hmm. That's why it's people uh, would uh, be warning each other in terms of uh, the make a com making a comment which goes against the government. So especially, you know, it's need to be careful in terms of when you the comment some politically or some, or especially about leaders, right? So you need to be very be careful. I knew, I, be, I were, you know, aware of, yeah. And was that on your mind when you decided to defect, or did you think uh, it will work and it won't be a problem? It's, a, it's more than problem. Of course, I knew, I was aware of. So, you know, when I made, when I had to decide to defect to South Korea, uh, you know, kind of, I had to be ready, you know, to kill myself, like, you know, once I, if I was, if I was caught, if I had been caught at the moment, right? So I now I knew the results of a failure of defection would be end up, you know, the sending political concentration camp, or would be publicly, you know, executed as an example. Yeah. So it was. Uh, Talk to me about the day that you you did defect and that you did escape. What? What do you remember? Do you remember waking up that morning? What 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 happened? How did you how did you do it? Uh, it's a, for me it's a little bit. My story is a little bit different from others because uh, I was uh, uh, you know I, I involved in a deeply some cross border smuggling. So which means uh, there is a lot of friends of border guards, right? So relatively easier to cross border. So when I uh, Across the border, there was a backside. There were seven uh, border guards, armed border guards. They were my friends, so they said something like, uh, "They didn't know I was actually going to was going to South Korea, but they believed that I gonna, I was uh, planning to return back to North Korea next day, right? So I said goodbye, guys. Right? These guys also said goodbye, some men. Uh, like we're gonna meet you tomorrow, and so." So you told, and is that common for people to leave for a day? And I guess to, you would have said, I'm yeah. going to China for yeah, a day yeah. and I'll be back. Yeah. Um, is that something that people who know border guards are able to do and there's just a trust that they're telling the truth and they'll be, they'll be back? Because I used to cross the border. Hmm. That's why it's possible to me. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it all people, for all people it's possible. Not totally. Right. You know, so some um, people, they were shot to death by crossing the border, while crossing border. Well, because it's, uh, it's very risky, right. you know, without permission, without uh, having some 
the officials you bribed, right? So it's impossible to right. control them. Right? And I guess you, you just knew or you trusted those seven border guards enough to mm-hmm. believe that it would work out okay and that yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. would let you through. And, and it sounds like you had done it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I used to cross the border, like, for business purposes. So, also, they thought, you know, they might have thought that this guy, I'm going to be, I would be the same thing, like, yeah. uh, crossing back, returning back to North Korea again, right? But it didn't happen. So you must have had this somewhat planned out in your mind. So you, you go into China, as you had done previously and yeah. had done for business, but this time it's the real thing. Yeah. Um, so you get into China. What's the first thing you do? I mean, where do you go, and how did you deal with being in a foreign country with, I'm imagining, a completely different language? Uh, but good thing was, yeah, it's true. But, uh, you know, it's when you see the the uh, you know the Chinese people who are living is at the border, like it's nearby the Tumon River, like there's a lot of Korean, ethnically Korean Chinese who able to speak Korean. So there is actually there's no any language barrier because they, are, they were able to speak Korean, right? Mm-hmm. So, but what I remember is when I, you know, first time when I uh, smoked items, actually with a puppy, a dog, so I brought dog into China at a, and sold out at a higher price. And later, I, uh, with the money I raised, I bought Chinese boots or a carton of cigarettes and smoked across the river and sold out, of course, for profit in North Korea. So, yeah. So just, just so I have that correct, yeah. so you brought in goods from North Korea to China, then yeah. sold them yeah. to, the- make, to make money to then buy cigarettes? Oh no! Oh, I mean, is uh, I bought the carton of uh, of uh, uh, the cigarettes in right. China because China, you know, the carton, uh, the cigarettes were cheaper in China, right? So I brought in North Korea and sold out for at a you know more expensive price, right? So yeah, that was it's one of the items actually. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I did. And so, with the with the Koreans or what the, with the Chinese who do speak Korean, are did you believe that they would help you eventually get to South Korea, and that there was a way for you to do that without putting yourself in too much danger? Uh, actually, the Chinese people who I worked with, actually, we actually did only the business purposes. Right. They didn't involved in you know any way of my defection, but uh, later. When I defected, actually, I got uh, received some help from people who I worked with. Kind of, is uh, I could able to borrow some uh, Chinese uh, uh, ID because you know the, you already might know the Chinese government they harsh on you know through the North Korean defectors within its territory, right? right. Once they discover, they will repatriate back to North Korea mm-hmm. where they face a uh, harsh punishment, things like that. So. Since I knew of uh, of uh, the you know situation, so yeah, actually I could able to receive the help from them you know, by borrowing receiving some ID of Chinese, right? So I could go through the safely because of the ID, because I had ID, right? So yeah. and had they had someone told you prior to coming to China that they would do this, or you just went on the assumption that you would be able to figure it out once you got there? Oh, actually, that is an interesting question. Yeah, actually. Uh, I didn't have any uh, 
the plans like uh, to you know following some ID. But when I got to South Korea, uh, uh, sorry, when I got to China, I was aware of the you know the that the Chinese uh, government uh, stepping up its uh, uh, the crackdown on North Korean defectors at the border area. So and then I realized, oh, I needed, uh, I have to follow ID, you know, to go through the route safely, right? Right. Without being caught. So right. actually, that works. Right. And then the route is you go through China and eventually you what hop on a boat to South Korea and that's how it happened or what? What's the rest of your story? How did you get to South Korea eventually? Uh, we had to go to um, to Laos. It's one of the Southeast Asian countries, right? So, uh, w- after I crossed the border, I had to take a bus, which is a uh, long distance bus. Yeah, it was ex- express bus. And then I went to, uh, you know, the border cities called the Kunming, which is located uh, just nearby the Laos. So, and then I crossed the border to reach the embassy of South Korea. In Laos, right? Understand. Yeah, so that's why you know I was able to reach there, and then I asked the asylum, and then finally I got to South Korea. It was very, very, very risky, but was successful. What was the moment at which you thought to yourself, "I've done it. This this is going to work." Was it when you finally went into the embassy in Laos? Yeah. Oh, you mean? Could you say that again, please? Was there a moment at which you realized the defection will work and that yeah. you will get to South Korea? Actually, I didn't have any idea since I didn't know anything about Laos and any route. Just only I was told by broker, it's going to be okay. But if something happened, like incidents like being caught, you should say to police of Laos, that you are not North Korean, but South Korean. Then you're going to repatriate back to South Korean government or something like that. Right. But it happened. The accident happened to us. So we were caught by the Russian police and were sent to prison. So I was put uh, in jail for, I think, two months. And then luckily, we were released to the embassy of South Korea. And finally... <laughs> We got to South Korea, right? And did you find your sister? Yeah, yeah. we met. So we're talking now in the United States. Looking back on what's happened to you and your journey to getting here, talking to me on this podcast show, mm-hmm. how do you view the rest of of your life now? And and how do you view your former country? I mean, are you did you get out of defecting what you hoped would happen? Mm-hmm. And what do you hope will happen in North Korea during your lifetime, if possible? Uh, yes. Um, I think as a North Korean defector who is experienced in North Korea and being aware of what's going on inside North Korea, I think uh, you know there is uh, 23 million or 24 million North Korean citizens living in North Korea without any freedom of expression and speaking, even movement. So they don't know even what is human rights is. So I think uh, uh, like it's, uh, providing information people in North Korea so if they you know 
become aware of of what's going on outside the world and what is the truth and if they could able to distinguish between truth and false so they could choose their own way and you know they could have a better life and could achieve the freedom so I really hope this kind of things are gonna happen uh, in the upcoming future so yeah this is my hope are you optimistic about that? Yeah, I'm not uh, not pessimistic, but you know, it's, uh, the people are more likely being aware of outside world by seeing the foreign videos and also, you know, like uh, a lot of this foreign information actually is being, you know, sent into North Korea by you know NGOs and many uh, the people. The international community who are interested in helping North Korean people. So I think it's a hopeful and it's going to happen. Right? One day, uh, North Koreans able to you know, choose and their way and are able to show the world the, what they are capable of. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really a, a great honor and, and privilege to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about The Exchange, want to listen to episodes online, or would like to reach out to the show, feel free to visit the show's website at theexchangeshow.com.